0: Everyone, who are present here today. I would like to welcome all of you here today for today's presentation of Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Um, May I request you all to turn off your cell phones or keep them on silence. I've only been introduced with a few of us here, but uh, to introduce myself, I am Purna Adhikari, a former refugee from Bhutan. who arrived in Canada, and tomorrow is uh, the eight, eighth year, so it's going to be complete of eight year, and uh, currently I'm a board chair for Canadian Bhutanese Society as well. Please remember that today's presentation and question and answer sessions will be recorded and is available on SAQPAS website as well. Um, first, those of you who don't know, or who are not much experienced about the program like I am, uh, there is also going to be uh, the records by sock television, uh, the question and answer session, the presentation, and um, there will also be the PowerPoint um, broadcast that will be um, like recorded by Saw TV. And I would like to remind all the audience to place $12 on the table in the basket here and count the money so somebody can come and collect it. Um Today's session will be 25 to 30 minutes each for presentation, lunch, and question answer session. And the topic for today's presentation is Canada a uh, Long uh, Refugee Heaven, a uh, Model for Other Countries. So there's a question mark at the end here, so we let's think of that, whether uh, it's going to be a safe haven here as well as a model for other countries. And for the presentation, I would like to introduce Dr. Susan McNeil is going to uh, present her experience as well as the research she has on refugees and global population. Uh, she is currently a Canada Research Chair, Taiwan, in uh, Global Population and Life Course. She is also the apprentice Chair in Global Population and economy, director of the Apprentice Institute and Professor of Sociology and at the University of Lethbridge. And hopefully like she will introduce more on her own. So let's welcome Dr. Susan McDonnell with a huge round of applause.
1: Thank you for the splendid introduction. It's really an honor to be introduced by Purna. Uh, as of yesterday, which he didn't say, he is a proud graduate of the University of Calgary with a bachelor's degree in social work. Thanks. So refugee success for sure. Uh, it's wonderful to, uh, to meet him because he worked with one of my graduate students quite closely in a study which was very successful of uh, Bhutanese refugees in Lethbridge and I'll mention a little bit about that as we go along. Um, so uh, what I'm going to do here is, make sure I get the right spot here, provide an overview of what I'm going to say. I always do this because if you run out of time you at least know where people are going to go. So, essentially, I won't read this, but this is what I'm going to uh, try to talk about. Rather than focus, essentially, on policy today, I'm going to talk about how Canada, mainly a happy news story, but not completely, uh, has been a refuge for refugees for a very long time, since almost before our founding as a country, and that that goodwill and the success of the many refugee flows is quite important for our success as a country. So we have waves of refugees coming in uh, for a long, long period of time that have contributed to our ethnic diversity. And of course, everyone knows now that we have a current wave of Syrian refugees, including here in Lethbridge. So Canada's national imaginary, now this is sociology talk, but it's essentially how we see ourselves, the symbolism with which we see ourselves, is not melting pot, and I sort of like this image of the United States as melting pot, uh, where people become much more similar with time and are expected to assimilate and lose their ethnic origins to to a large extent. But it's much more multicultural, multinational, so you come to Canada, you, uh, you become uh, Canadian, but you also retain your, your ethnic culture, and that becomes a part of our multiculturalism, which we value quite highly. So Canada, I don't know whether people know this, so I thought I would just go through this a bit. Canada is the second most ethnically diverse country in the world. Uh, the first is Australia, and if you've been to Australia, you can see that everywhere. But Canada's second. The United States is quite far down on the list. Uh, in fact, it's shocking to me to look at the data on this, that even Saudi Arabia is more diverse than um, the United States. Now that may not be for a great reason because they have a lot of temporary foreign workers uh, there. But if you look at their population at one point in time, they're uh, much more uh, ethnically diverse than the United States. So the notion that we're comparable to the United States in ethnic diversity, which Americans have told me, is not quite true based on the best data we have. Whoops. So Canada uh, as a haven for waves of refugees. Uh, It's been said, uh, and at various places where I've spoken, including a keynote in the United States uh, three days before the election, which I was very worried about in November, uh, said that Canada's blessed by geography because we don't have a border with countries that send refugees. Well, sort of. We have one significant border over which refugees come, and that's quite important, and I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Uh, uh, These are some examples of refugee flows from the United States into Canada. United Empire loyalists, uh, slaves that came across from Canada following what's called the drinking gourd, which is the North Star, which led them across various uh, passages into Canada. Vietnam War refugees, who have made quite a lot of an impact on Canada. Some Iraq War refugees, also Americans. And lately, some Trump refugees. And uh, who knows what might happen about them in the future. Uh, They do arrive at the borders, the land borders. So we all know about United Empire loyalists. We forget that. But these are people that fought on the other side in the American Revolution and fled to Canada because they believed in the monarchy. And we, of course, still have a monarchy, as your money on the table shows. Then there's this example, which I I won't read in detail, but it's essentially an example of um, following the drinking gourd north to Canada where an escaped slave with his, his owner, find that horrid, his owner in hot pursuit and just missed him. They were on the same train, but they missed each other as the slave slipped into Canada and established a pretty darn good life here. But that's a kind of example of refugees that we forget about. American War refugees, quite interesting story, uh, in part because there's so many of them. 56,000 is the estimate, which is considerable in that period of time. Uh, uh, Most of the American draft dodgers, as they were called, uh, I call them American Vietnam War refugees, a new book on Vietnam War calls it the American War, not the Vietnam War. So it's interesting how the perspective changes. But it seems possible that about 56,000 Americans came as refugees into Canada at that time, and most stayed. Some went back when when they were granted uh, freedom to go back, but most stayed. And I love this quote from one of them, Don Kruger of Toronto, to ask where do I belong really, you belong where you finally stop and stay. And that's here for me, he says. And that's true for many of those refugees. Iraq War refugees still in process, But not a lot of them have been sent back. Some of them are still in the courts. Recent refugees at our border, I like this one very much. This fellow swam across the Red River in Manitoba. This is before the Syrians started trudging across or other refugees trudging across in the snow in Emerson, Manitoba. And he says, I'm really feeling like I'm at home uh, because he's now been granted uh, permanent citizenship, permanent residency in Canada wave after wave of refugees. I can't go into all of these, but I just thought I'd mention some highlights. 1956, in other words, refugees in Canada are not new. 1956, a wave of Hungarian refugees, one of whom became the longest ever serving chief statistician of Canada. Ivan Felogy was a refugee. 1968, Prague Spring, Czech refugees, wave after wave of successful Czech refugees, many of whom have contributed enormously to Canada. Uh, Vietnamese boat people, a lot of people think that's the beginning of refugees in Canada. No, it isn't as we've talked about. Uh, the book Rue uh, is a literature uh, at its most crystalline. Uh, it was description of the boat people who came into Canada. Also waves of Chileans, Ismalis, the, the mayor of Calgary is from that community and has been voted the best mayor in the world. I don't know how you get that, but that's pretty impressive. Um, Tamils, Ghanaians, Nigerians, South Africans, particularly doctors. There are more South African doctors in Canada than there are in South Africa. Now, it depends on how you define refugee, but you could argue that they could be seen as refugees. The list goes on and on. So here's an example, which I kind of think is fun and we have to build fun into it. Americans everywhere, says the CBC News on 22nd of October of August last year. Why are they there? They washed American partiers in boats, washed into Canada. Uh, 1,500 of them were in complete need of help and everyone walked away alive. These were what was described in the typical Canadian way, over-refreshed Americans, (laughs) which were promptly sent back. But at the same time, (laughs) They got into Canada uh, because they sort of uh, fell into Canada. Trump refugees, and this is something I was edgy about three days before the election, speaking at the um, Hilton Ballroom in Minneapolis with about a thousand people in the room, and I wasn't sure what they thought about this guy, Trump. Um, He hadn't won the election yet, but uh, it all began with Americans making noise about moving to Canada And so there's a discussion about this. Uh, Cape Breton provider was going to provide refuge, and uh, the rumor has it, whether true or not, that the immigration website uh, fell apart because there were so many inquiries about coming to Canada. Now, as someone who gives a lot of uh, a lot of talks around the world, um, I've had inquiries. They say, "You're Canadian. How can we get there? I want to get there quick." So, so you know, whether it's true or not, how it will work out, I don't know. But there could be Trump refugees. So, in Canada, we have Lethbridge is home to the largest Bhutanese community in Canada. Representative here, one of our leaders of the Bhutanese community. I don't know whether people know that, but it's quite an important thing to understand. Uh, Syrian refugees welcome to Canada. These are the latest numbers I could find: forty-six thousand seven hundred, the largest number in a single year in four decades. Um, government-sponsored uh, and and individually sponsored. Uh, Some of that's quite controversial. 350 communities across Canada accepted them. And of course, all are fully screened uh, before traveling to Canada. The focus in Syrian refugees, and this is something I don't think that is perfectly well understood, our focus in Canada was for people uh, with families who were in exile in refugee camps or in exile. So those are the kinds of people we gave preference to, not based on religion or any such thing as that. Um, which is probably a very good thing and not discriminatory. I have uh, this image, which I mentioned was controversial. In 2016, the levels of government-assisted refugees, mainly Syrians, but not entirely, peaked. But in 2017, the estimate is that it will not be as high, that in fact, there's a lot of wariness about the issue. So how are they doing? Well, what I thought I would do is mention uh, the Farwans in Lethbridge. Uh, And they came here uh, as refugees, a large family. There they are in Lethbridge, first time they've seen snow. Uh, Flight to Canada was the first time that that they'd been on an airplane. Uh, So they say that they miss everything at home, and most refugees do. They're glad to find sanctuary, they're glad to find asylum. But like any of us, if we're displaced from a place we love and know, they think, oh, goodness, I worried about the people back home. I'm worried about how it's going to be here and my culture and how I'm going to fit in. So uh, this is um, an example of that. One of the pictures that I find and the quotes that I find quite telling, this is taken not in front of the house where they live, but I wanted to show the deer because everybody around in Lethbridge knows about the deer. But this is a quote from one of the children and it's quite poignant. You know, it really makes your heart sing. It's strange here. And these people come from a refugee camp Strange here that the deer can walk around in our yard and nobody bothers them. The image is the deer are safe here, but gee, we weren't safe at home. So so it, it's kind of a, a striking image, I think. Play helps, the Syrian refugees have been greatly aided, uh, and this is Calgary, but it occurs in Lethbridge too, uh, by uh, play and playing together, because you don't need to have a language uh, issue when you're playing a game. You can say, I'm just gonna tuck into this game and you know, enjoy myself and play. And it's amazing how many of these Syrian refugee kids have taken to hockey. Uh, You know, uh, communities outfit them in skates and the whole equipment, and off they go on the ice, not worried about it. They've never seen ice before, and there they go. Uh, uh, But they become assimilated and, and accepted, maybe not assimilated, but accepted by play. But help goes both ways, and I just love this story. Here is a fellow, and I'm just gonna dwell on this for a moment, who had arrived in, um, where was it? I don't remember where, Uh, someplace in the Maritimes, I think. Uh, And he discovered, he'd only been in, in, in Canada a couple of days, he's a tailor, but he noticed next door that there was a wedding and the woman was worried, the bride was worried because something on the back of her dress wasn't working and it's her wedding day and she's all anxious. So he pops out and fixes the problem. And I'm thinking, wow. You know, this is the kind of story we don't hear very often. He'd been in Canada only a couple of days, and there he was helping out this bride. Here's another one. This is a very, this is a success story. There are bigger ones than this, but this is a a success story, um, where uh, these people arrived in Antigonish, and uh, they're refugees, and they were chocolatiers in in, uh, their homeland, Syrian refugees, and they opened a chocolate shop. They now employ 10 people entrepreneurs. And they did that within the first year of arriving. So this is a huge success story. But of course, I don't know how many of you know the biggest, other well, there are many success stories. We have one right here of a success story in Lethbridge, getting a bachelor's degree, being very successful in Lethbridge. But uh, we have had a governor general who was a refugee. Adrian Clarkson was a refugee. Uh, and the comment on that is, uh, I don't have it here. Um, Anyway, I'll, I'll sh- I think I have it later on. But the comment from John Rodston Saul, her, her husband, said, I don't know about refugees, being worried about refugees. I married one, and she's pretty successful. So, and the current minister of immigration in the federal government is a refugee, a fairly recent refugee. So this notion that refugees are needy, demanding, doing all these kind of things, or creating jobs, are quite successful in many ways. This is the contrast with the United States. Now, when I was in the United States talking about this issue, of course, I didn't show this, but there it is. The, the notion of fear, and that's built since. Uh, I, most of you are familiar with this from the election campaign, that the danger, the risk, you know, that in, uh, amongst the good people might be a danger. Generally speaking, that is not the case at all. They're very strongly vetted. And most of these people are as desperate as we would be the, uh, to uh, accept, uh, you know, if we were displaced from our homes and we were bombed out, we would, we would be pretty desperate, but not be at all engaging in violence. It's violence against us that's most important. So what have we done that works? Well, several things, and this is the happy story part, but I'm gonna just texture it a little bit with some unhappy stories, um, that we're generally building on our almost tolerant history. Now, just let me texture that a little bit. We did have a very discriminatory um, policy on immigration for a very long time. Asian exclusion, for example, the head tax that was required, the bringing in of Chinese workers working on the railroad, but they couldn't bring families. So it has not entirely been a great story. The other thing I discovered in preparing this talk, because I didn't want to make it too happy, (laughs) uh, (coughs) was that uh, Canada has been great on international agreements. But there is a UN Convention on Stateless Persons that was signed in uh, 1954. In 2016, Canada has yet to sign on to this thing. And there are more stateless persons in the world now than there were in 1954, or about comparable because of the war. Uh, Second World War ending. But Canada is not a signatory to that. So there c- there's some issues that are still kind of negative, despite the, the happy news story. So what else is happy? Seeing immigrants and refugees as resources who contribute. And I remember a colleague telling me, I remember where she was from, but someplace in, in the Middle East, calling me at a meeting in Australia. She said she tried to move to the United States and she was seen as a resident alien. She said, I'm an alien. Whereas when she went to Australia to become an immigrant, they said, you are a citizen in the making, and they welcomed her. So the concept of the difference in the language and the difference in the approach, I think, is important for Canada to understand that we're much more in the welcoming tradition. We see refugees and immigrants as citizens in the making. So um, what else do we have? Use of private sponsorship. This is a big deal, and I didn't realize how much of a big deal this is. This does not. Uh, only extend to recent refugees. This goes back to um, way back to, to uh, Mennonite refugees and uh, people fleeing religious pr- persecution that were sponsored privately. So, this notion that, that Canada's new at this is not quite the case. It goes back quite a ways. But that use of private sponsorship is amazing to people. When I've talked about this in other in international contexts, they say, well, we should do that. Why don't we do that? Um, Israel contacted me and wanted me to go there to give a talk about how this private sponsorship works. And I'm thinking, you know, we do it. We take it for granted. It's always happened. And they said, well, they could learn from it. So it's interesting as a model that other countries see as a model that we kind of take for granted because we've done it for so long. Building private state partnerships to mobilize civil society for resettlement of uh, refugees and encouraging broad public discussion supportive of refugees uh, built on good leadership, which is extremely important in this. And that's not just political leadership. It's community leadership, uh, group leadership, whatever, saying, don't give me this negative stuff. We're going to see this in a positive way. Mostly, but not all roses. I mentioned that Uh, Canada overall has been welcoming, but there's some nasty incidents and some pretty negative policies. Globally, we've got to consider that right now, uh, from War Child Canada, right now 2016, one in every 22 humans is a refugee, um, or internationally displaced, or seeking asylum. That is a huge number. Now, I don't have the numbers for what it was after the Second World War, but that's pretty high. A lot, a lot of people are stateless, on the move, seeking asylum. uh, And then there's the the blatant discrimination. I mentioned the Asian exclusion. We also have this nasty bit after the Second World War, uh, the comment that none is too many, which is the title of a book by um, Abella, uh, and uh, And someone else, but but the notion here that came from a comment made by a Canadian civil servant about Jews seeking refuge in Canada, um, and the civil servant in Canada with the immigration department said, "No, none is too many. we can 't have any Jews as refugees, and many of those people were sent back and died in the Holocaust. So our record is not terrific in that way. The other one that I find quite interesting, and it's very contemporary, a guy like Stephen Hawking wouldn't get a, a immigration status in Canada. Why? Because he's disabled, and people would see him as a burden on our healthcare system. So a family that is trying to immigrate that has a, a child that is disabled, excluded. Uh, so we have some issues there, I just don't want to make it to sound too happy. happy. but and this, uh, still not signed on to the convention on stateless persons. Housing affordability has been a huge issue as well for refugees coming in recently. Um, But the good news is that as of October uh, 2016, all the refugees who had recently arrived are permanently housed. But for a while, they couldn't be housed because of this strange high price of housing in major centers. We know it's Vancouver and Toronto largely, but Calgary's sneaking into that pretty quickly. Um, How to deal with economic integration in a tough economy. Uh, Many uh, Syrian refugees have professions and are somehow uh, not, uh, and are well educated, but some are not getting into the job market as quickly as they should be, and language lessons are an issue. Sometimes the children learn very quickly playing sports in school, and the adults learn a little less quickly, although they try very hard. Uh, it's 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 a challenge. This is also another worry, and I don't want to emphasize the worry, but I just want to mention this. In a national polling uh, partnership between CBC and Angus Reid, 68% of Canadian respondents said minorities should be doing more to fit in with mainstream society instead of keeping to themselves. Now, that doesn't mean all those people are racist or discriminating, but it is a bit of a worry that it's so high that people are saying these, are, these people are not fitting in. You know, there could be any number of reasons, trauma from being in a refugee camp, language, any number of issues, but the notion that they should fit in more quickly is a bit of a concern. So here we go, the quote from John Ralston Saul, which I like, I married a refugee and she did pretty well. Um, she came in Canada as a small child, uh, as a refugee. Um, so, lessons from Canadian refugee experiences. I think I'm doing okay for time to just wrap this up. Refugee stories have shared elements, most pe- mostly people without privilege, but not always. And this is another issue that I think needs to be considered. That refugees, if bombing occurs, it bombs across classes. Refugees are not always completely down and out. And I remember when that little boy Alan Curdy was washed up on the beach. I heard people say, with my own ears, I heard them say he doesn 't look like a refugee. he 's nicely dressed. Mm-hmm. so the concept is the image of a refugee is ragtag you know uh, uh, awfully awful uh, uh, situation. Well, he was a refugee. He was killed in a in, in a boat trying to escape, so he was a refugee, but people made these these judgments, so I think we have to be a little careful of that um as if we were bombed out of our homes, we might come out of there looking nice, too, because you take your best clothes and off you go, but you're still a refugee and homeless. Uh, Canada was built in large part by people arriving in need of a haven who then reinvented themselves and contributed. And that is something that I think a lot of us would have trouble with. Uh, many of us can reinvent ourselves, but others are pretty stick-in-the-muds. You know, if we had to experience what many refugees experience, I think a lot of us would fail at it, quite frankly, me included, maybe. Uh, We've never been put in that situation, so you don't know what you'd do. But some of these people have done a remarkable job of reinventing themselves. Refugees and immigrants are and continue to be vital drivers of the economy, and I've only shown a little bit of this. Canada has generally developed social agreements and public policies to support Uh, individual initiatives with respect to refugees, and that includes community organizations, uh, provincial policies, uh, policies of the federal government, policies of of cities. Uh, So generally speaking, we've done quite well. And Lethbridge is doing remarkably well at this. Uh, And I think we should be very proud of our our record on this. Um, The Canadian concept is that a refugee is a citizen in making. I think that's the key to integration, to success, and um, to non-discrimination. The notion that here you are, you have all this potential, um, you're a citizen in the making, and you're not inferior to us as citizens. So that's a f- quite powerful thing. I'll end there. I look forward to your questions. So I thank you very much for your attention. And of course, I have a lot more to say, but I couldn't say it in a short time. So thank you very much.